morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. What are you thankful food. for this... What are you thankful for other, th- other than food this Not morning? Not food. Other food. than food. It's food. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is food. I'm I'm grateful for. I made dumplings from scratch yesterday, and so get your ingredients. You chop them up. You get your dumpling skin. You wrap them up, and then you put them on a pan, and then you fry them up, and then you eat them up. So were these uh, Asian dumplings? Like yes, yes, of course, yeah. Obviously. yeah this is the name would imply. I, in fact, I was eating with a bunch of Asians. So, <laughs> so, so you know, like that's 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 just how it went. Those you know, we had Japanese people and Malaysian people and we just we just eating these dumplings. It was awesome. And some Americans as well. Yeah. But yeah, oh dude. So that that's what I'm grateful for. It was one of those things where I so saw I didn't eat breakfast yesterday, so I could go and make these dumplings and eat a ton of them for lunch and then I didn't eat dinner. It was you know, just pinnacle of health right there. Just, you know, one big meal in the middle of the day that makes you feel so full that you can barely walk. And then uh, just let that all. Yeah, I'm not so convinced that's the pinnacle of health. <laughs> there are probably some people out there that would dispute that with you. There are those who, you know, do recommend two meals a day. No, nah, that'd be wrong. But <laughs> one meal a day, which just goes all day. That's yeah, that's kind that's... of taking things a little bit yeah, extreme. Potentially. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Well, winter hasn't arrived yet, but we're definitely into autumn. The leaves have changed colour on the tree outside of my kitchen window, so that's there you a go. sign of where things are heading. Yeah, but, oh man, it's got to be winter soon. It's it's getting cold in the morning. 10 degrees where we were this morning. Oh, nearly, I think da- was like nearly, down to single, nearly down to single digits. I'm like next to the water. I was like 11, 12. Yes. And I was bummed. I was like, this is terrible. This uh, is going the wrong way. Wind, wind, wind. It's probably the coldest is going to get there during winter, whereas we'll be getting frost. <laughs> we'll probably get frost. We got frost last year. Okay. Yeah, just a brief minimal or maybe like once or twice when it was got really, really cold. But anyways, let's have a look at our first clue for the quiz. 100 points. What instrument did the young David play to soothe the troubled spirit of King Saul. For 100 points, you can win a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker, or you can get your points on the board. Continue to work your way through the quiz. And if you get every single question correct, you can win every single prize. But again, that number is 0491-064-669. That is the number to call if you know the answer. Oh, to the question, which was, what instrument did the young David play to soothe the troubled spirit of King Saul? I know last week, apparently, I told one of the questions too fast or something and people got angry at me. So I hope I've given it to you twice there. Guys, there you You've go. You've got no excuses. That's right. So just send your answer through. Lawson, let's talk about some positively different news this morning. Positively different news, Lyle. Okay, we're going to talk about buses. Okay. And the bus isn't something that I often... I hate buses. Freak- <laughs> okay. Lost laying down the heaven here. Just, just, just putting that out there. Out of all of the forms of transport available, they are my least favourite. Why? Uh, okay, so trains are nice and smooth and super relaxing and you get to sit back in a massive big armchair with a massive window and watch the countryside go by. You get a view that you don't get otherwise because a view from a railroad is very different from the view... From a road, sure. When you're driving down the road, you look into people's front yards. When you're going down the train down the train tracks, you're looking into people's backyards. It's just a different view. Uh-huh. 
so I like that variety. It's it, you can sleep so much better on a train. It's uh-huh. such a smoother mm-hmm. ride. It's an even speed. It is just the best. Um, aircraft, of course, are fast, cramped, but fast. Uh, boats and ships is just like, well, you've got that motion. You've got the view. You've got the salt air. Uh-huh. There's, there's Man, just you've really developed an opinion best. on this. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah, absolutely. wow. Buses, you have about as much space as what you have on an aeroplane. It's a bumpier ride. It's speeding up. It's slowing down. It's affected by traffic. It's stopping and starting. You've got red lights. You've got, you know, all of the traffic that you're dealing with, mm. and you don't sleep as well. You're not as rested. It's just buses. Just, you just haven't been on the bus tired, La. Just then you'll sleep. Not interested. That, buses. Okay, but what if that bus had a trailer on the back that not only had more seats, you know, and more space for people, but also turned the bus into a hybrid and ran that hybrid system off of solar and saved each bus in Munich two and a half thousand litres of diesel per year. That's pretty significant. And 6.5 metric tons. So it's not a plug-in one. It nope. actually drags its solar around nope. So basically what they've done is, as I've said, they've gotten, they've put trailers on all the buses in Munich, or at least the ones that they're testing and trialing for now. And these trailers have solar panels on them. And yeah, it turns the, the bus into a hybrid because you've got a motor in the trailer as well. I want one of these to tow behind my patrol. Yeah, that's I'll right. You could, like, front. you could chuck this anywhere. Yep. Yeah, but um, but also the solar panels run all of the like. There's this plug that comes off the bus into the trailer, and it can it also like runs all the electronics of the bus. Especially like you know, think of like the cooling and the heating and whatnot. Um, especially in a place like Munich in Germany, where during summer it's like 35 degrees, and during winter it's like minus 35. Probably not minus 35, but like minus 10 or minus 15, something like that, like freezing. Um, yeah, basically this is. Well, it also makes the bus longer. You have more space, more people can get on the bus, which is important in a big city. Um, and ultimately, it's just, yep, changing the world. It's just the, the new bus technology that is being trialed in Munich and is probably going to come over here at some point because who doesn't want to save thousands of dollars on thousands of litres equaling tens of thousands of dollars of petrol a year? Yeah, I want one for my patrol. <laughs> Although you need to be able to uh, unhook it for when I go off-road. No, but get an off-road I love, one. No, what I love is the idea of an electric motor in the four-wheel drive uh-huh. so you can literally be spinning the wheels uh-huh. at half a rev per minute. Wow. You, know, you can be lighting them up and spinning them. Uh-huh. You can, that, that's just ultimate crawling Ultimate right crawling. Like you're ultimate going crawling. really, like really max slow. Torque, max torque. Straight off the line. Wow. I love it. And so now, well, but if you could, wait, so if you put an electric motor in your patrol, then what's the point of the trailer? Well, the trailer is so that I get range. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah you've got big solar. Yeah, I want, so, to drive better. I, want to, I want to be able to go and do the Canning stock route. I could take the trailer on the Canning stock route. Yeah. And you'd, yeah, you'd probably rattle apart on the vibrations. On no, the you just want to need one of those off-road trailers, right? You, you've seen them. Like the, nothing will survive those corrugations. Sorry? Nothing will survive. Nothing will, nothing su- will, nothing will survive those corrugations. <laughs> no, I just take a portable welder. Oh, yeah. Just and run the, that off solar. The wheel falls off and then... Oh, weld it back on. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, in other, other news, okay, this is incredibly interesting. Um, groundbreaking treatment has been developed in the United States, and it's a form of nasal spray that apparently can stop all forms and variants of COVID from entering the human body and infecting you. 
That's pretty cool. So basically, you get this spray. Yes, spray it up your nose. And um, what it does is it blocks the receptor um, that receives, you know, COVID-19, like the proteins that come out of COVID-19. It blocks those receptors. And then, yeah, basically from that point forward, it, it has no ability to get in. I think obviously this is, this would be something that kind of wears away and you maybe need to like spray up once or t- twice a day. Um but this this is like the the new development that's going on. And so we could see if, if this, uh, like it's just finished um, lab trials. It's now going into clinical trials. Um, and if we see this mass produced and sold out, like I could just imagine, you know, you get your eucalyptus spray, you get your essential oils and hey, you get your COVID spray as well. And you spray that up your nose and you never have to think about COVID ever again. But we're kind of reaching that point anyway, aren't we? Well, we're reaching the point to where... This would have been really good two years ago. Oh, Yeah. For sure. But I, but I think we're, like, reaching the point with COVID where people still get COVID. I know some people who have gotten COVID. Like a lot of people got COVID in the last week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Me too. And so, basically, like, COVID's still there and it still, like, is a virus and it still makes you feel sick. But imagine if you just didn't have to deal with that at all. But my question is, why hasn't this just been applied to everything? If you can stop COVID, like, getting into your body by spraying something up your nose, why, don't, why can't you stop, like, every common cold and... Everything from getting into your body by spraying the spray up your nose. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but who wants to go around living with a nasal spray that you spray up your nose every day? Yeah, I it's guess It's a good so. point, though. It's a good point. I it guess so. Kind of, you know, but just like you go to a big event and you're like, like there are people who take vitamins every day. Yeah. Right? Like, Nah, not me. Well, yeah, neither do eat, I. Eat vitamins every day. Th- that's in, right. In you just eat vegetables. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But... Like, there are people who take supplements, there are people who need to take med- medications, like, yeah, all yeah. kinds of things. Oh, I, could, I could definitely see it at a big event. But also, like, at, like, you know, people just, as I mentioned, essential oils. Like, people who are sick are just like, oh, yeah, I'll just, you know, whack some essential oils on when, because when they Law- smell when, good. When Lawson turns up for work and is like, oh, i got a headache and a fever and I'm here at work, I'm like, no, go home. But I can just take a spray and you can stay That's at work. right. You're all good. Like, well, I'm thinking as well, like, you know, just, just so many medical treatments that are good. Like, you have a stomach ache, you drink charcoal, you feel better. Oh, man, I'm going to a big event and I might get COVID. Bam, there you go. Winning. Prevention is better than cure. Easy stuff. All right, finally here. All right, I'm going to tell you. I know we're supposed to be positively different news this morning, but I'm telling. I'm going to tell you something that I found really disappointing. So, a panel of scientists got together and they told NASA that we need to go to Uranus. Okay, they were like, we need to have an expedition to Uranus. It's going to be very valuable for scientific research for a bunch of different reasons. And they're like, yes, we we need to do this. And NASA actually listened. It was like, wow. That's a fantastic idea. And as I'm reading through this, we been there before? this article, well, so the Voyager in 1986 flew past it mm-hmm. and took a photo, but they're like, no, we need to orbit Uranus. And We've do- never orbited it? No. Oh. We need to orbit it. We need to do like a big study on it, and it's going to be really important for our future. And there's a bunch of scientific reasons for that, but, you know, that, that's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the fact that they want to send something to Uranus. I'm like, that is aw- that that is an awesome idea. I agree wholeheartedly. Send things, you know, send things out into space and get some information. I think that's sick. Um, but then they're like, okay, so our best uh, window to do this, yeah, we reckon in we'll, we'll send this plane in twenty thirty one, because at that point they apparently they have a gravitational slingshot around Jupiter that will send that will get the spray spacecraft oh, there in thirteen cute. years or something. That's cool. Which is yeah, good for them, but kind of really far. away. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. 
positively different. Now let's get into our 200 point uh, clue for the quiz. What At what place of worship was Zechariah, the son of the high priest Jehoiada, stoned to death for condemning Judah's idolatry? Uh, which, which, essentially, what place of worship? What, what building? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call for two hundred points. You can win yourself an issue of Science Magazine. We can get those points on the board. Continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was: At what place of worship was Zechariah, the son of the high priest Jehoiada, stoned to death for condemning Judah's idolatry? All right, if you know the answer, give us a call right now. But we need to talk about megachurch meltdown, which continues, and uh, it just seems to continue unabated. And you kind of kind of wonder, you know, what's going on here? And I think what we're seeing is that megachurches that were a thing that were born in the 1990s, mm-hmm. and we are seeing the natural result of a ministry that is basically an independent ministry where it reaches a point of either stagnation or it has been there a bit too long or the pastor has been in control too long or there's too much money involved because all of these mega churches are built around the concept of the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. and those chickens are starting to come home to roost now and we you know we sort of saw it start in Seattle with uh uh, what was that big one in Seattle I forget which it was called right now off the top of my head but in Seattle what which year are you talking about like Mars Hill Mars Hill Mars yeah. Hill it started with Mars Hill yeah and you're seeing exactly the same symptoms right across the board right now. And people mm-hmm. are saying, you know, the guy in Mars Hill, he was, you know, a bit of a head kicker and that's why he went. Uh-huh. But it's not why he went. It's because of the nature of the structure of these mega churches mm-hmm. and how they operate. And it is, you know, I mean, hey, there's always going to be symptoms to that. Um, so just running through the latest here, um, Josh and Leona Kimes. Our pastoral team have just resigned from Hillsong, Boston, mm-hmm. after a 16-year tenure. Um, Leona Kimes, uh, Josh's wife, was actually uh, Carl Lentz's nanny for seven years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Carl Lentz was uh, a, a notorious philanderer and somebody who um, you know abused a lot of women, mm-hmm. including uh, Leona Kimes. Wow. And, of course, that was exposed by an internal investigation report by the law firm uh, Zuckerman, Gore, Brandis, and Crossman. But in the process of, you know, doing their internal investigation, they found that uh, Josh Kimes had sent a racist text message um, some years ago. And so that sort of all came out. Uh, that was back in 2020. And, you know, this is the situation. You know, you can, you, you can be... When you are at the top of one of these organisations... It doesn't take much to be accused of something. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be incredibly careful not to be accused. I mean, you can be accused of racism just because you don't like CRT. Mm-hmm. You can be accused of racism because you support equality of opportunity. You can be accused of racism, like, for, like, and if we talk about, like, ridiculous accusations, like, you can have a squabble, a squabble with someone. Like, you could, you could have an argument with someone and be accused of racism. Like, you can get accused of a lot of things, and especially when you're in a spot, in the spot, like, like, in these institutions. Like, it's, so unless they're going to actually reveal the text message and reveal the context of the text message, I'm not going to put a whole lot of weight in that, Mm -hmm. uh, because pretty much anybody can do that. But 
The problem is where you don't have a church body that has oversight and the church operates as an independent entity and you as the pastor sit at the top of that, it makes you vulnerable in a way that you might not be otherwise vulnerable because you don't have you know, a large worldwide global church organization that can sit down and ask the question and say, you know, what went on right here? Mm-hmm. You also have a situation where you become more vulnerable because you've been there too long. Mm. And the longer you are there, the more enemies you have the opportunity of making. And this is one of the things that I, I love about our church system is where you have an overall worldwide body and, uh, you know, typically a pastor will be in a church for, you know, five to seven years. Mm-hmm. And so you get, you know, these outstanding pastors that, you know, in the mega church world would definitely go out and start their own church and very quickly, very rapidly build a mega church. You know, they'll pastor a church and that'll be, you know, a, a huge blessing to that church for five years. And then they might get moved to another church. And mm-hmm. it might be a small church. It might be a big church. You know, it might be any different kind of church. But they're going to get moved on, and the income that is generated, rather than being poured back into that church and making that particular pastor wealthy, it gets spread around. And so you get small churches that have got 20 people in them, and they can't afford to operate, but they're operating because there's a bigger church down the road that is able to support it. Yeah, totally. Mm. And so they're, you know, a church of 20 people is able to have a pastor that's you know, probably going to share with another church, mm-hmm. uh, but is able to have a pastor because you don't have everything being sucked into this one massive black hole, which is your local mega church. Mm. Um, Sam Collier down in uh, Atlanta uh, in Georgia has just launched a brand new church. Uh, he was f- formerly from Hillsong Atlanta. They were dissolved last month due to the long list of Hillsong scandals. They were just like, yep, we've had enough, we're out. And so they just dissolved the church, and basically what they've done is repotted it. Mm-hmm. And so rather than just, you know, removing from the Hillsong brand, they actually closed the church. Mm -hmm. There is no church. Mm -hmm. And then the senior pastor has built a new team, which is basically the same as the old team. He has started a new church in the old building um, called the Story Church and uh, is in the process of putting together uh, a whole system of checks and balances so that, you know, they don't end up in the situation that they had before. Mm -hmm. A board of directors and a system by which the pastor or any other members of the leadership team can be fired. Mm. And then you've got the celebration church. What, oh my. What do they do there? They, do they celebrate? Pastor Stovall and Kerry Weems have just stepped down from their positions uh-huh. as the senior pastors of this church. This is two months after filing a lawsuit over who controls the church two months ago. So they're suing their own church that they pastor. And so to be able to sue effectively, um, of course, they founded this church in 1998. You know, it's got 14,000 members. Um, So, you know, another mega church right here. And so uh, Stovall had to resign as senior pastor, president, CEO, chair, registered agent, and member of the board of trustees. You know, and when I read through that list right there, I'm thinking, okay, how many titles do you really need? Do you need a senior pastor, a president, and a CEO, and a chair? Man, his LinkedIn profile must be stacked. Like, <laughs> how <laughs> many titles? Wild. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's you've got this massive tiff that's taking place between the board of trustees and the pastor. 
Now, of course, he'd already been fired from these positions. So he stepped mm. down from positions that the Board of Trustees had fired him from, but he said that their firing was illegitimate. Oh, okay. And hence you've got... Because he runs the show. Because he runs the show. Yeah, wow. You don't have a global organisation. You don't have an organisation that's going to, you know, move another pastor in there and, you know, continue to keep things going while they sort out what has been taking place. Um, and, of course, he was fired... From these positions, he says, because he tried to address financial abuse by one of the board members. Oh, wow. So he's like, one of the board members has been dodgy with the money and he tried to address it and so they all fired him. So he refused to go and said, you don't have the power to fire me. And they said, we do. And he said, well, you don't. And so he sued them. And so now he stepped down so that he can sue more effectively. But the board has just said, look, this is the latest in the campaign of deception, manipulation, distraction and abuse by the Weems at the Celebration Church. Uh, the board has come out with their list. And, I mean, these girls, guys are just hurling mud at each other from both sides. They've requested an investigation. Well, they requested an investigation a couple of months ago when they discovered questionable financial tra- transactions by the Weems mm-hmm. that were large transactions and without board authorization, which is illegal in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. And so the Weems had bought a $1.2 million parsonage, mm-hmm. which, you know, $1.2 million property in Sydney is, you know, an average Macca's mansion. Mm-hmm. That's nothing, you know, we, we think, oh, there's a lot of money. No, if you're in Sydney or if you're in a major city, that's just a very average home. Mm. So nothing sort of outlandish there. It's not like a $12 million building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, but the church bought this from a company that was owned by Stovall Weems. Oh. And the company had bought this house two months previously for $855,000. Ah. Uh. So that looks dodgy. Oh, that really looks dodgy. There was also um, Kerry and Stovall Weems who took uh, a nine and a seven month, uh, respectively, um, pay advance. Oh, wow. And then there was a $1 million paycheck protection program loan funds that was siphoned off into crypto. This is what you happen when you have these independent churches that just operate as their own entity. It is a dangerous thing. And you combine that with the prosperity gospel, Mm. there is no surprises here. It is so... Well, I think it's just... Ultimately, I've seen drama in churches that are like... All churches have like drama. Like 30 people. So why are we out here building churches that have thousands and thousands of people? Let's just let's spread the word of spread God Spread the word. Around. Spread it out there. Let us get it out there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to go to interview of the day. We've got Baron Newstart joining us. But before we do, we have the 300-point question for our quiz. All right, for 300 points, what desert beast of burden uh, was forbidden as food to the Israelites? Wow, I love how that's phrased. What desert beast of burden was forbidden as food to the Israelites? 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 300 points, win yourself a pocket sermon. Uh, but again, that number, 491 well, joining us on the phone this morning, who uh, is Baron Newstratton, who is our resident expert on the book of Genesis. Baron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. 
Barand, we've been working our way through the book of Genesis. Last time we were here, we spoke about the meeting of Jacob and Esau. And it seems that Jacob never seems to really get himself out of trouble. He moves from one crisis to the next because now we have the story of Dina and the Shechemites, and it's a pretty wild story. Yeah, it's an incredible story, to be perfect. The, the difficulty that he found himself uh, in, of course, during his life, uh, were self-made, as you know, uh, made multiple wives and an enormous amount of children. And, uh, yeah, and, of course, uh, his convict behavior towards Esau, his brother, his return. God was good and kind to him, and uh, there he is. But the troubles are not gone because now we have the trouble with the young daughter. And so this is this sort of, you know, it gives us a little bit of a behind-the-scenes picture of, you know, some of the things that we don't know about. We do know that Jacob was sleeping with four women and having children with four women. And yeah. here we have a situation where one of his daughters is mentioned. Now, we know about his 12 sons, but mm. we don't know how many daughters he had, and we would imagine there would be, you know, an equivalent number of daughters possibly. We just don't know the answer to that, do we? The, yeah, apparently he only had the one. I think he takes out some prophets, sheds a bit of light on that, and gives us some confirmation that this was the uh, basically uh, the the only daughter. Uh, he was the seventh child uh, between uh, him and Leah, and in fact, to Jacob, she was the eleventh child and 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 only daughter. Okay, so that would have made and, her uh, very special then. Oh, uh, very special. And the other thing, perhaps. Uh, which is extremely important, Lyle, is that she would have been at the age of 14 or 15, no older. And would that have been an unusual age for marriage in that, in that time? Uh, too early, not unusual, but, but, but certainly when it came to, to the Jacob's um, uh, family, that would have been fairly early in the piece, yeah. Yes. I mean, too, too, early. Too, early, too early by anyone's standard, uh, either back then or now, but I'm sort yeah. of, you know, I, I guess if we look at the surrounding nations, they would not have uh, necessarily seen it. Yeah, you raise a very important point here. We have tremendous differences in culture. The fact that she goes unaccompanied, she's not chaperoned, would indicate that she was still regarded by her brothers, who were her custodians, if you like, <clears throat> that she uh, would be regarded as still a child, you know, not uh, having the need to be chaperoned, which was a mistake. Okay, so she's, she, and she's just headed out to find friendship. I mean, if she's an only girl, yeah. then, you know, that's what you do. You, you, you go out to find other True. young ladies that you can hang out with and be friends with. Yeah, and, and, and it says she went out to see the daughters of the land. She wasn't after boys. Uh, the fact that she got caught up in that, of course, was a, was a result of, uh, well, what shall I say, and being naive on the part of her. And, and perhaps also of, of the of the brothers and, and and Jacob himself. Okay, so she gets mixed up with this guy who is uh, from Shechem. Uh, he is um, a, a Hivite. Do we know anything about who the Hivites were? Yeah, they're basic Canaanites. There were a number of tribes, as you know, and uh, Canaanite is a collective name for different uh, tribes. Uh, it's just one of the number of tribes. Do we have do we have any indication as to whether this encounter that they have um, with or that she has with Shechem uh, whether this was consensual or not or whether she was raped or what's going on? Wow, that's an important question. Of course, 
The Bible does not appear to be that clear on that. Uh, was, she, was it consensual? Well, could it be because she was only young, 14 to 15 years old? Uh, he did force himself on her. There's no question about that. And then, and then he retained her. He didn't let her go back to her, to her home. He sends his dad with the proposal to uh, the father of the girl, Jacob, and the brothers. But he, uh, there was obviously a great deal of passion because it says that his soul was strongly attached. Well, this would have been, of course, uh, the desire for her and uh, that he forced herself upon her is perhaps not so unusual for Canaanite customs and besides the fact that he was willing to marry her, might have made it look in the eyes of the Canaanite honorable, but not in the eyes of Jacob, of course, and particularly not the brothers. Yes, indeed, because, I mean, this is something, you know, even in our society. I mean, there's a couple of things here. First of all, uh, and I think there's an important point here, it's impossible for somebody that young to give consent, so it was clearly not consensual. We need to clarify that. But yeah. the, um, the the other thing that uh, that comes through here is that this was, you know, very normal practice, as it is not that unnormal today where people sleep together sure. and see, where, see how they like yeah. it, and if they like it, then that's great, <coughs> and the relationship moves on, and then they decide to get married. And this is the, you know, the custom of the Canaanites. And so that's kind of like, you know, Shechem, he's a Canaanite. That's what he does. And yeah. he loves this girl. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to marry this girl. Um, we've got a great thing going on here. And that's not how things operate for Jacob and his family because he's a follower of God. Yeah. And that is where <clears throat> the thought is absolutely clash, particularly because of the behavior of the sons of Jacob. Uh, it does indicate that there's a, they're not exactly choir boys, are they? The way that they scheme here and misuse a writ of covenant uh, between them and God. And that really makes it fairly obnoxious indeed. Okay, so tell, tell, tell us about that. Tell us about that, 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 that misuse well, of the covenant. Well, the, 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 so, so, so they make up their mind. They had their minds made up. They were not going to become one with the Hivites. That's that's for sure. Yet they say that on condition of the of the the writ of circumcision, if complied with by these Hivites here in Shechem, they would be becoming one people. That means they share the fields, they share the resources, they share the properties, and bear in mind that Jacob is extremely well-to-do, so that's very attractive to the to the people of, uh, of Sechem. And uh, that is uh, obviously, as the story unfolds, there is a meeting uh, of the Sechemites, and they listen, of course, to, the, uh, to Hamor, the father of Sechem, and uh, they recommend a unification between the two people and the, undergo the writ of circumcision which was really a holy covenant between God and his people for the purpose of being separated. Now, had the circumcision been on the basis, on the basis of them adhering and converting to the true God, there would have been no objection, there would have been no problem. The marriage could have found place, not a good start, but things could have been sorted. But here we have a misuse, haven't we? We really have a misuse of a covenantal writ 
that uh, now is being used to trap the Sephamites, the men, into what is a most unfortunate and violent behaviour. Yeah, and this is and this is really horrific what takes place because you know we would we would we would expect here in this story it's like well if you come and become a worshipper of the true God then maybe we can work together but it's got nothing yeah. to do with that and it's no, all about circumcision correct. which had been a sacred thing amongst you know God's people a sacred sign and yeah. they've taken this sacred sign and they've completely secularized it and of course. Uh, the Shechemites are obviously motivated enough that they decide that they're going to... And you, to be honest, you'd have to be pretty motivated as an adult yes. in a time yes. when there's no anesthetic. You know, you and yes. I are both men. You would have to be very motivated. There would have to be a lot of good reasons why that the entire city undertake... Well, the, the entire tribe uh, decides, yes, we're going to um, be circumcised yeah. and become one with these people. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, you know, I think it's the wealth and the well-being of of uh, Jacob and uh, and so-called his tribe uh, seems to be very attractive to them, and they feel they can only gain particularly materially from this, and it, it appears to be worthwhile to them. But uh, yeah, it certainly is a gross misuse. Yeah, no question about that. Okay, so but they do. So the Hivites, they, they do this. They undergo the rite of circumcision as adults. Yeah. Um, they, they, they uphold their end of the bargain, which is, yeah, that's a big step. That's, that, that's pretty full on. And so, you know, they are honourable in this respect. They were dishonourable in what they did to Dina, probably not in yeah. their eyes, but certainly in the eyes of Jacob and his family, they were dishonourable. But now they have gone, well, you know, this is what Jacob has asked for, and so... This is what we will do, and there are benefits here, and we're going to do the honourable yep. thing, and they do the honourable thing. It's not like they're pretending or anything. Yeah, it is really the the, the, the planning and the scheming that really makes it so odorous, isn't it? Uh, they knew that on the third day that they had a consequential, well, you know, infections and and and, and of course, um, perhaps even fever It's recorded here. They're not well, the boys, so they can't fight and don't expect the visitation of the two brothers, Simeon and Levi, which is uh, quite fascinating because this is a very dark page. It, uh, when you look at the, the, the 49th chapter there of the book of, uh, of Genesis, uh, when Jacob um, says his goodbye to, to his sons, he does predict that Simeon and Levi will not have the territory, mm. uh, which is quite amazing um, because after Reuben, who also misbehaved somewhat later, as we know, and we'll come to that, but not today, but maybe next time, uh, he lost his first uh, uh, born rights. Then you have uh, Simeon and Levi succeeding, and they lose it because of their misconduct which brings it to Judah, who now gets all the benefits of really being the firstborn, which is quite interesting. It is, it is. So just taking us through the details of what actually happens here with Simeon and Levi, um, it's the third day yeah. after the circumcision has taken place. Um, quite a number of these young men would be dealing with infections and so forth. You know, this is yeah. more or less a, we, we could think, the, the, the environment of a developing country. And so yeah. they are in pain and they are unwell. And what does Simeon and Levi actually do? 
cold-blooded murder is the only way to put it. It, it takes a certain attitude. Now, fair to say that they took this violation of their sister extremely serious, which today still in certain Semitic countries, a violation of a sister is worse than the, what shall we say, the infidelity of a wife. They take uh, this very, very personal because uh, the woman is always the daughter and the sister that can't be changed. And so it's, it's really, they took it as an offense against them as a people. Uh, uh, but they, uh, that doesn't qualify, that doesn't excuse them to, to do what they did. It is remarkable that it only took two of them to kill the man. But then, then you look at what they do themselves. They take all the sheep, the oxen and the donkeys and whatever property there was, all their wealth, it says in the Bible, and their little ones. These are children, you know, they've killed fathers, brothers, um, uncles, and they take the little ones and the wives captive. What do they do with them? And they plundered all their houses. It's quite a misbehavior. Yeah, this is, and, and, and just very quickly finishing off, we've got Jacob's response to this. Oh, he says, he makes, he makes no bones about it. You have troubled me by making me obnoxious amongst the inhabitants of the land. He feels now, despite all the protection he has enjoyed from God so far, he now feels very vulnerable because of the other Canaanite tribes. They may take a very dim view of him and might like to get rid of him. So he actually backs up and he, and he moves away. He goes back to Bethel. Yes, and in my translation it says, you have troubled me to make me stink amongst the inhabitants of the yeah. land. It's pretty strong language that uh, Jacob yeah. uses right here. So a really dark page in the story of, you know, one of, the darkest, one of the darkest pages in Jacob's story right here and, you know, something that he didn't actually um, do himself but he, uh, there's some culpability here because he went along with the idea of circumcision without, the idea, without including yeah. conversion along with it. Correct. And then he should have stopped it. Baron, thank you so much for taking us through this story. We look forward to next month when we continue on with the story of Genesis. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.